Welcome to another slightly delayed episode of Give Him Hell, Brigham. Jeff, how are you doing this week? Dude, I'm busy, and I know that that's a cop-out, and people don't like to hear it. And uh, we're trying to bring Give Him Hell, Brigham to you in the best and most efficient way possible. But it is brutal. It is a brutal time to be a lender. And I think that's the only way there is to say it. And to, to kind of put the cherry on top, and I'm just going to complain for a minute, uh, the FDIC just kicked off not only uh, their safety and soundness compliance exam or their safety and soundness exam with us, but also their compliance exam. Oh, so we fun. have double duty of exams and PPP loans and all this stuff. I'm shipping hats. The hats look great. Have you seen the hats, by the way? I have not. Well, which hats? The, oh, uh, hats the ones that the, uh, like the mesh, yeah, like the Richardsons that did those look fantastic. They look great. They turned out really, really well. So gathering addresses, if you have not sent me your address and you paid for a hat, please send me your address. Um, I have about 20 of the 30, 35 or so addresses that we need. So send me your addresses. So I'm trying to do all that stuff. I'm just a little busy, but I don't think I'm quite as busy as you are. I think that you are maybe one notch above me on the busy scale, it sounds like. I mean, this the SBA needs to stop changing stuff. We have been barely keeping our heads above water with this whole PPP thing for the last month and a half and really not a good time to jump into things. Like I literally did not get trained or onboarded at all because everything started the day I started my new job. So it's been really fun, extremely well fun as in, you know, it, it, it feels good to be productive and kind of see things move at work. And when it's like, oh yes, I made that and it's doing what it's supposed to. That's always fun, but it's, it's been hectic and I'm, you know, I'm trying to keep, keep my head above water, keep things good at home, try to squeeze in this weekly podcast without getting myself in too much trouble with screaming kids in the background and, you know, leaving my wife to tend for them after she watches them all day long while I'm working. To put it into perspective, folks, Garrett and I usually have a pretty constant conversation going. Uh, and whether it's through text or through DMs or whatever, we, we're, we're in communication pretty well every day. Yeah. And pretty well multiple times, I would say, like there's an ongoing conversation almost throughout the day, every day. The last couple of weeks, it's not there, and no. it's because everybody's just so freaking busy. Dude, it's a, we're it's like, a weird we're, time. We're in a rut. Do we need host co-host therapy? Is that a thing? <laughs> is that what we need? I don't know what it is. It's super crazy, super busy for everybody but BYU. Apparently, uh, there's nothing going on in the BYU world. So, on you know, in that sense, it's an okay time to be busy with everything else because there's nothing happening. Yeah. I mean, I think the only news, especially, you know, recruiting wise or personnel wise is that Mufi Hunt, the one-time Michigan state signee and dude, he's been around forever. I think he was the same class. Was he the same class as T. John Karoma? Um, he could be, he was a Jeff Martin guy. I remember conversations with Jeff. He was a about year Mufi. So 2014, probably 2015, he was in the 2015 class and signed with Michigan state never really went up. Oh yes. He, cause he was in the same class with Diane Lake. And I remember this because actually I at a basketball game, 
against, I think it may have been St. Mary's when in January, the big recruiting trip or whatever, I sat next to Diane Lake and Mufi Hunt at a basketball oh. game when oh, they were on a recruiting visit. Um, but Mufi Hunt is now enrolled in school in Provo. People may be excited about that because at one time he was a four-star prospect. He was a very good, I mean, he signed with the Big Ten school out of high, uh, you know, Big Ten program out of high school and Michigan State was good back then. And he never really did much in Michigan State. He went to transfer to Utah. I didn't get a lot of playing time at Utah. He's now walking on in Provo. I wouldn't expect much just because his career has not led me to believe that we can expect anything from him. But you know, maybe he he may be a pleasant surprise. And it's if you're gonna get a walk on, if you can get a walk on with that much, you know, potential or raw talent, then you know, I think that's great, right? Like if you're not burning any resources on him. But have there have you can think of any player that has like had a similar path that just kind of showed up when you figured all else was lost and then they ended up kind of being halfway okay? Um, I'm going to say Zach Daw, like it was a different path, but Zach Daw, former scholarship guy, had some injuries, was off the team entirely, came back as a walk on and it was like, yeah, we'll see. And Zach Daw ended up being great, right? For BYU. Mufi, I don't know, man. Mufi's interesting. I don't put your expectations in the basement, right? Like don't expect much for Mufi Hunt. I will say this, that his it's been a lot of injuries. So at Michigan State, he started to get playing time as a freshman, uh, but then he hurt his knees, and I think he's had multiple knee injuries since that initial knee injury. So it's been, it's been a big injury impact for him, uh, even as he's bounced from Michigan State to Utah and now to BYU. If he can stay healthy, he might you know, be able to contribute, kind of like Zach Daw. That's why I think of Daw. Daw had that back thing. And it was like, well, he's he's still talented. He's still strong, but this back is going to keep him out forever. Well, it didn't, and Daw ended up being pretty good with his talent and with his strength. And, and I think maybe you see a similar trajectory or path for Mufi Hunt. This is not the same Mufi Hunt that people will remember out of high school, however. Uh, when Mufi was coming out of high school, he was like, I think he was listed at like 210. He, he did not weigh 210 pounds. Like This man was like 6'5", 180 like he was just this slender dude that uh for a while like you thought maybe he plays a like a hybrid outside linebacker uh he's pushing three bills now i mean he's up to defensive tackle type size so different movie hunt maybe that plays a role in the knees maybe he uh maybe he slims down a little bit plays at 250 and that helps him stay on the field, stay healthy, take some pressure off his knees, and he's a defensive end. I don't know. But whatever you do, put your expectations in the basement and then be pleasantly surprised if he exceeds those. Yeah, I think another similar one to Zach Daw, maybe Zach Stout, just because after, yeah. I mean, he did okay, but then after he got kicked out of school, you really expected nothing of him. He took a couple years off and then he walked on and came back and ended up starting and had a really productive senior year. Um, so I don't, you know, maybe I could think of that, but it's, you know, it really, my expectations are, like you said, in the basement for Mufi Hunt. But if, you know, I maybe hopefully the right environment can kind of recapture the right environment, the right system can kind of recapture some of, you know, some of that, you know, I guess that, clout that he had back in the he's day. A hell of a nice kid. Like he, I remember 
covering him back in the day and super nice dude fun to get to know a little bit haven't kept <coughs> excuse me haven't kept tabs on him kept in, in communication with him so no I mean, idea who he is today but his offer team. sheet in high school michigan state byu oregon state washington state arizona asu cal oklahoma oregon utah utah state washington uh, yeah you bring him on as a walk-on every time yeah so it's interesting to see what happens to him. I mean, it sounded, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to, uh, you know, our good friend Mitch Harper did a one-on-one interview with Kalani earlier this week and posted on the Cougar tracks. And he, it sounds like, I mean, at least in that defensive line position, there's a lot of bodies. Like it finally, we've, there've been so many injuries the last few years. We've talked about this the last few weeks, but it's just been like a revolving door of trying to get some somebody consistent in there besides Kairos Tonga being right. And it's, you know, we've had so many walk-ons and you got Caden Hawes moving from center to defensive, you know, to nose guard and fall camp and playing on the defensive line in the interior. And it, it kind of feels like we're finally turning a corner to where the bodies are there and they just need to take kind of step forward. It feels in a lot of ways, the same way the offensive line did a couple years ago, where it was like, you see that the talent is there. It's raw. It's young. Like there's some guys that you're kind of surprised by other guys. You're a little bit disappointed in, but you can kind of see a solid core starting to form, but they actually, you know, you know, need to step up and do something right. Like it's, and that's kind of, I'm where at the, okay, you guys, like we've been bringing all these guys in now go out and show me something. I am being coached. I am listening. And I, I have comments. Our social media manager, AKA my wife, is over here trying to coach me how to sit so that she can get the appropriate picture of us recording the podcast while we're recording the podcast. Oh gosh. Hell. And I don't know, man, like you're on a computer screen at my house. Like you're, it's hard to, it's hard to capture angles. You know, you are who you are on the computer screen. I can see your shoulders and up. She's angling this picture, dude, dude I'm in sweatpants. Like, I don't know what people are expecting, but this picture clearly shows the, the operations that we work within, like the, our, our setup is very low budget, Extremely very, very low budget. low budget. I have my work stuff set up. I'm on my personal laptop, ignoring all my work stuff. And here we are. I don't know, man, like she's got to post this picture because that's what she does. And that's what we want her to do. Um, if you see the picture before or after you listen to the show, just know that we do this for you that we are bringing you high quality content with VV low quality stuff. And we do it for you. And I agree with you about the offensive or about the defensive line. There are so many bodies on the defensive line. That's my biggest concern. I, the defensive line. Okay. So I remember that immediately following the season, many people were concerned about, Hey, we got to go find a grad transfer D tackle or something, right? Somebody to replace Kairos Tonga. People hoped it would be Siaki Ika. Yeah, BYU could have gotten Siaki Ika. They would have, right? But they didn't. He went to Baylor. And, and then people started to wonder, well, does BYU go get somebody else? There are so many bodies at the defensive line. Like, just tons and tons. More scholarships are allocated to the defensive line right now than any other position, including the offensive line. And so somebody has to step up. Like, we've been waiting for years. You've been waiting for, you know, Zofa Atea to stay healthy. You've been waiting for Naisa Mahe to get healthy and get back. We've been waiting for all 
Alvin Tofa to reach his potential. We've been waiting for Uriah Leatawa to be able to stay on the field. All of these guys, Tyler Batty, we've been talking about him for 100 years, and he's finally going to be the guy. Like, we could keep going down the list. There are so many dudes at the defensive line. If they can't step up and become consistent, then at that point, you have to turn your attention to they, we need a better defensive line coach because there can't be that many guys and that many guys with P5 offers, that many guys with raw talent, but just don't pan out. So this year is, it's kind of the put up or shut up year for me because everybody's there. I mean, there is a legitimate two deep at all four positions across the defensive line. Yeah. Health is going to be a big deal and you can't really control injuries, but I don't know how many years you can hide behind that. And it's time for the defensive line to step up. I agree. It'll be interesting to see if the defensive line could step up under the tutelage of Preston Hadley, a non-defensive lineman and a non-defensive line coach. Um, That concerns me. We talked about that last week and my concerns uh, really stay the same. I I feel more and more confident that um, it was more of a, Hey, we're going to move Preston Hadley to the defensive end position so that he can work with some other coaches. And we're going to give him some help that way because the production at the safety spot just wasn't up to par. I don't Uh, know. Yeah. We debated that last week and it will be interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm mostly curious to see, kind of how time is spent with those groups and like, is he, you know, how is it going to split between working on pass rush versus coverage and kind of, you know, how the tweenerness of that is going to be, um, you know, played out rolling, going forward and kind of on a, into like even what Kalani does and where he spends his time, you know, working with the defense. Um, like it'll be, be interesting. It'd be really be interesting to follow. Um, so another, we saw, I guess some other recruiting news we saw, Posted, tweeted out today um, or last night. Uh, Vega Iwane is kind of he is Daryl Funk's first offer to an offensive line as a coach at BYU, right? It's I don't, second I, offer. Who did we have first? D Funk offered Parker Brailsford like day oh, one. That's right, Parker Brails, which we did. We talked about him last week, and I like Parker. But so talk I like to Parker, us. and I like Vega. I talked to Vega. This is before we get into Vega. I think you're going to like this because I did. And I don't know if it was a mistake. I was just texting back and forth to Vega before I gave him a call and we had a, you know, a quick conversation and maybe it was a typo, but he referred to coach funk as defunct. And I love it defunct. for forever. He's defunct. That's who he is. Defunct. Defunct. I can get on board with that, but I mean, similar, I think it's going to be a long shot because Vega is a player, right? Like his, He's got basically the entire Pac-12. He's got offers from Cal, UCLA, USC, Washington, Wazoo, Arizona, ASU, Oregon State, and then Colorado, and then rounding out his offer sheet with now BYU, Florida Atlantic, and UNLV. So obviously it's it's an uphill battle, and this is very much one of those things that we talked about where it's like you don't decommit from USC or Washington, right? So it kind of depends, I think, a lot on, you know, what is he going to do? He's 6'4", 280. He's got a good frame. Um, he's a guard. He could probably slide in and play center. He's got the size for it as well if he needed to, um, but he definitely projects as an interior lineman at the next level. I mean, where do, you, where do you think we stand with him? I think this is, it's kind of, 
it's kind of a strange offer to me kind of as the first one. Cause usually when a coach comes in, you know, it's like they've kind of, and maybe this is just because funk wasn't at another program last year or so he, he's been out of recruiting for a year where it's, you know, it's not like, Oh, like PJ Fleck went from Western Michigan to Minnesota and offered every three-star that was committed to Western Michigan and took him to Minnesota with him. Like there's none of that going on because he wasn't coaching last year. So what do you think about Iwane and, Ah oh, man, I I thought we were going to get through a show without talking about COVID, but here we are. We're going to talk about COVID. There there are phases of a of an offer, right? In the recruiting cycle. And typically when somebody receives an offer prior to their junior year, it's not real. It's an offer based on the potential. Like it's somebody who shows a ton of potential based on their their measurables, right? They have the size, they have the weight, they have the basic athleticism that that coach wants to be in the game. So they offer that player and that's what they do. And then they're in the game. And then if that player develops throughout their junior year and into the off season after their junior year, then they continue to recruit them. But if not, they just don't ever call that recruit back. I think that's where a lot of Vega's offers came from because he has yet to play his junior year up in Washington. COVID has shut down the high school football season. And he told me just today, they're, they're hoping that they're a few weeks away, a month or two away from being able to start their high school football season. And then he will get out and play his junior year. So on the surface, I agree with you a hundred percent that it does feel like a long shot. As far as I know, he's not a member of the church. He does have some family members here in Utah. Uh, so he's familiar with BYU, but doesn't know a ton about the program, just likes Defunk. Uh, that's really about all that he knows. And really, he and Coach Funk have only been talking for like a week or two, so it's pretty new. So on the surface, you're spot on. Uh, the only question that I will, well, I guess the only caveat I would throw on top of your statement is, I think all of those schools who have offered are waiting to see how he looks this spring. If he looks like we think he will, I think it's a very, very long shot of BYU will move on pretty quickly. If he doesn't blow people away or if his junior tape looks a lot like his sophomore tape, then I would question how hard he's actually recruited by some of those other schools and BYU they've, they've capitalized on, on players like that in the past. And they've turned those players in to very, very good offensive linemen. So I'm not concerned of, Hey, no, if he doesn't develop and Washington doesn't recruit him, then BYU should move on. No, that's not what I'm saying, but Washington and USC, they can go through the you know top 300 recruits and kind of pick which ones they want to go after. And BYU doesn't have that luxury they have to go on measurables and, and develop players. So I think BYU should recruit him either way. The only way that BYU shouldn't is if all of those other schools are, because if USC is on Vega, BYU doesn't stand a chance. If Washington is out on Vega, uh, BYU doesn't have a chance. He's from Washington. I think they are the clear leader right now, but there's that big giant asterisk of nobody's seen him play since his sophomore year. Yeah, I think, and that's something too that Kalani talked about in his interview with Mitch this week was, you know, it really like, yes, stars matter and stars matter just because generally they, you know, the best players, people know that those are the best players and they have the most talent, but especially at BYU, like you got to roll with who you got, right? Like you got to dance with who brung you. And it's the much bigger issue with BYU on in the recruiting game 
like development always needs to outweigh just raw rankings and stars and all of that like you have to you know and there's more to players than just the stars right like it's a matter of fit and like not even Mm-hmm. and fit off the field like how invested are they into the program because that's going to affect their work ethic and it's like no matter how much talent you have you can't you're not going to be able to just skate and play at this level and not you know put in the time so it's there's a lot of different things and it's a matter of like BYU just it's more so on development and needing to be able to get every ounce of talent out of what you do have rather than some of these other schools where it's like oh yeah we got a bunch of four stars and get 85% out of them like it's you know it's you gotta it's different Right. It's a numbers game. And so it's, I think I Vega is an interesting offer. I am really interested to see kind of how the style of offensive line, if that changes now um, in this is going to be, well, the, he is the fourth offensive line coach of the Kalani Satake era. Right. If you, well, that's I mean, weird to put it that way. Right. I mean, it, well, I guess, I mean, it's true. Three and a not- half, right. Like if you count, I mean, could be three depends on how you count pew and mateo since they were never coaching alone and they had grimes kind of with them you know but there was you know there was mike empey and then grimes and pew grimes and mateo so now defunct and so and so it's you know it depends on how that is you know it depends on how that is going to happen um and i'd be interested to see if he takes a different approach in terms of bodies with the offers that go out than it, the last couple did it will be interesting i know that uh he always liked the big burly dudes the same way that grimes did at least when he was at san Diego state michigan uh at his previous stop so i assume it'll be similar but you're right until we see it play out we aren't gonna know uh forgive me garrett for not knowing my arizona geography how close are you to mesa mesa's north right it's northeast of me. I'm well, depending on where in Mesa, because it's a big city, like two and a half to three hours. Well, BYU just offered a 2023 tight end, Jackson Boyd Bowers. He is a member of the church. Uh, like I say, 2023 guy, but he's already 6'5, 230 pounds. He's got the makeup to be great. Uh, Arizona State offered him a couple of weeks ago. BYU just offered about 25 minutes ago. So and he is a, he is a mountain view Toro. It's been a while since we've had a player from mountain view. Yeah. Well now you, you have an assignment because uh, obviously Arizona and everybody who falls within the Arizona boundaries is your responsibility. Uh, I will take everybody within Davis County because we have other give them hellers, you know, other hellions right. throughout Utah. So we can spread responsibility out, but Arizona, we only have a couple and really, I don't know who they are. So it's you. So anybody who is in Arizona, you know, Jeff with the G, he, he does. He's he, he is does a lot listen closer. to the show. But I, I have a, a hard time. I mean, Jeff, I love you, and Garrett loves you, but I don't know, man. I mean, you've got kids at BYU, so I think you might be a little too old to win this recruit over. And I apologize for saying this because I do love you. But I think that uh, we're trying to just go a little bit younger with our bag men. So either you got to bring a really big bag or you got to get a little bit younger. And also, we gave him an assignment already that Jeff is responsible for Trent Ramsey because he was his young men's president or something. Yes. Like 
So, so and that's that's more of a long distance deal since Trent is yeah. in Florida now. Right. Um, and you could use Bitcoin or whatever, you know, something to make that happen. But when it comes to the face-to-face interaction, we've got to we got to put our beauty out there. And Garrett, that's you. You know, you are the face of this program. I am the voice. I'll call myself the voice of Give 'em Hell Brigham. You're the face of Give 'em Hell Brigham. And damn it, I wouldn't have it any other way. So Jackson Boyd Bowers is officially your responsibility. You know, I will take that. I do I have a couple of friends who went to Mountain View. I think at one point, I'm not sure, um, you know, with kind of Gilbert being in Queen Creek being the exploding little Utah compared to Mesa, you know, what it was 20, 25 years ago. I know at one point Mountain View High School in Mesa sent more students to BYU than any school in the country, like outside of Utah, like, you know, the Utah high schools. And so, um, you know, obviously, and that's where, maybe that's where John Beck went to school. That's where Max Hall went to school. There've been a truckload of Mountain View players that have gone on to play at BYU. And, you know, it's, I'm, he's a good player, you know, and it's, I'm really excited. I mean, it's, we continue to just load up, absolutely load up on the, at that tight end position. Um, you know, we talked about Carson Gay, we've talked about Carson Ryan and, you know, with now with this kid coming in, we got the elk and we got Dallin Holker, like the tight end position is very good for a very long time. Yeah. The elk. God, I love the elk. And I love that nickname. I love everything about it. The tight end position Guys, I'm so high on the future of the tight end position at BYU. Carson and Carson is what we're calling them. And it sounds like a law firm. And if it's not, I don't know, it should be. Carson Ryan and Carson Gay, I like BYU's chances for both of them. In fact, I put in a a low confidence crystal ball for each of them uh, earlier this week. If BYU can land Carson Ryan and Carson Gay, those would be the two. Think of all the production that has come from the BYU tight end position. If BYU can land Carson Ryan and Carson Gay, those would be the two highest ranked tight ends that they've got in their pipeline. And Carson and Carson, the lawyers, I mean, it would be, I, we would make shirts about Carson and Carson Incorporated. They would do incredibly good things at BYU. The tight end position, man, I, we've talked about it on this show. Uh, I don't know what it is, but we Mormons, we produce tight ends, tight ends and O-line like that should never, ever be a struggle, right? Any, um, yeah, we should never be a struggle for any of these things and to, you know, recruiting there. And so I, I mean, it's, um, we do have a guest actually on the show and to, we do have a guest who just woke up from his nap hey. And that's that's the best guest that we've had in a while. I know he he is here. We'll see if he will keep his keep the quiet down. Keep quiet. I don't know. He did grab the microphone, so we'll see how much <laughs> feedback there is. Uh, I love it. Hey, uh, you got a blackstone. I did get a blackstone. Have it, you seasoned your blackstone? I seasoned it last night, and um, I made a quesadilla on it today for lunch. I think we're gonna have breakfast for dinner tonight breakfast on the blackstone is undefeated and so i'm i'm excited it's one question i do have in the seasoning and you know i let it did everything according to the direction like let that thing get real heated first do you find the back corners kind of tough to get to like i'm assuming that those are just always be there because they no matter those just did not get hot enough and so i it's my seasonings it's a little gummy there and not 
quite seasoned just because, you know, I rubbed it back in there and I probably should have just let it ride and not put so much effort to get every square inch covered because it just didn't get hot enough to burn off those very back corners. Uh, yeah. And so what I have done over time, it's gotten better in those back corners because when I am, I guess when I'm shutting down, right, I clean the grill and then you continue it like you like you would cast iron. You're going right. to season it for a while. Um, I will put the hot oil on the middle where it goes and then just dab it with a paper towel or something into those back corners and just put hot oil on it. But yeah, no question. It doesn't get quite as hot, but you also don't really use that. And you don't really need it, but it is, I mean, I'm excited. I don't think I need the 36 right now, but I am excited that I have the 36 and I, I kind of, I was too lazy to go to the store because I didn't want to like go get it and then lug it home, whatever. So I ordered it online. But then yeah. I kind of realized like, I, I don't know, I kind of say, so, cause the one at the store was like $25 more, but it came with the hard cover. And mm, so, that so did you do that? Me. No. Cause the one, online, I don't know why the one online didn't have, it was cheaper and it didn't, it was like a different skew. I guess it didn't have the hard cover included. The oh, hardcover is a waste. Okay. I mean, if you have the hardcover, people, and you like it, tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, it's super easy to replicate the hardcover. If you have, well, I guess I would say more about the hardcover if you had, like, if you didn't have a covered patio. Because I know, like, because I got the soft cover to throw over it, because, you know, different from rust. But if there's, like, water sitting on it, I don't know how long it's going to take for that thing soaks through. So that's where I would say the hardcover. But I have a covered patio, whatever. But apparently, also, the one that they have in the store has a paper towel holder on it, which is kind of oh. nice. But you, can, cool. but you can also get magnetic paper towel holders. I don't know if you do this. You can get magnetic paper towel holders at Harbor Freight for, like, eight bucks. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And well, that's so, cool. The, stick on the side of if you got like a mechanics card or any tool chest or anything, you can slap a roll of paper towels on the side and you're good. The only, the only regret that I have is, so I think I bought the same model that you did, 36 straight flat top. So it's the big version, but it has no hardcover. Yeah. And it works great. I love it. The, the only thing, excuse me, the only thing that I wish I had is an air fryer. The new models now have air fryers underneath. So instead of having a shelf, it has two air fryers. And I don't think I would use it for anything but fries. So like you're doing smash burgers and then you right. are air frying your fries or onion rings. And I have an air fryer and there's a million other ways to cook fries. So it's not like it, you know, I'm really doing without, but it would be kind of convenient to have an air fryer. I mean, the thing with the air fryer model is it is literally twice as expensive. It's true. And that is so why you could just get it. Right. Like you could even, it's not even an air fryer. You could just get another, like you could buy a nice, nice fryer. Right. Yes. For the, it's true. And it's, I mean, but either way, I'm very happy because with, because I managed to get my master built smoker, like, cause I got, managed to get a steal on that. Ooh. I got the, I got the master built, the, Blackstone and covers for both of them. And I needed a propane tank because I've never had a grass grill, gas grill so I, before. And so I've never needed a propane tank. So I have to go, you know, spend when you buy a new tank, it's kind of pricey. It's I got kind all of pricey for less than the retail price of just the master built by itself. Well done, though. Well done. And that finance is the kind of with Jeff and Garrett. This is, <laughs> we are here to teach you how to maximize your outdoor cooking dollar. And this is the kind of stuff that you're going to find in the Give Them Hell Brigham magazine oh, that yes. we are producing content. It is, we are, 
we are in the content creation phase. So now we can put that on our resume, on our LinkedIn profiles, that we are content creators. Um, it's going to be fun. I'm still excited about this magazine. I am learning that it's, uh, it's harder than I expected. Like we can get together and rant forever. And I can write articles on a blog forever. But writing a magazine article that is in the vein of a rant, I'm learning is, is more challenging than I expected it to be. And maybe I'm just thinking too hard, uh, but it is a little bit different than, than what I expected. How, how do you feel about this process so far? Um, yeah, I think it was kind of hard. I mean, one of the things that was very hard was coming up with our 2028 presidential campaign platform. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that was something that took a lot more effort than I thought it would. And it's, you know, as we've been working on things, I think we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So we're up to eight articles oh, right you now. You got busy. Uh, well, a lot of them are just kind of framed with the outlines that ah. haven't been fully fleshed out, but the ideas are there. Right. And so I, um, you know, we've, it's, it is a lot harder than I thought it would be because it's, you know, some of the, when we're writing, for 24 seven, like the value of a Cougar Sports Insider membership is the message board and the VIP articles. But we have to put forth a bunch of free articles. And a lot of those are just very like recappy, like breaking BYU offers scholarship to Vega Iwane. Iwane is a three-star prospect from Graham, Washington. He projects as an interior lineman. Here's the link to his huddle. He, we reached out to him. He said he's happy and liked his conversation with coach. It's Funk. all about Google and yeah, it's articles for Google. And so it's, you know, it's very like surface level and you're kind of just like packaging things, but this is, this taking some real creativity and we're getting also it's way outside of our wheelhouse. It's not a lot of the things that we normally rant about other than well i mean i had to learn a lot about how keanu reeves is immortal from one of my articles yes and i'm really looking forward to that um and for one of my articles um we did also discuss the fact that there is a national high school barbecue circuit <laughs> so I forgot. I forgot that is that. another thing that is that is both a thing and we wrote about it so we have a uh, you know we've got a lot of things coming and all of our sponsorship spots are sold out so it's we are going to get this set up we're still shooting for an april um an april release so about six weeks away i'm gonna call it now and say april is ambitious i think it's gonna be a may release okay well Okay, we're gonna say Look, May. I don't want to. I don't want under promise the... over deliver. Right. This is. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what we've got to do. I don't want to be the wet blanket, but uh, I I just have a hunch that the printing is going to be more challenging than we have anticipated. Look, there's yeah. a reason that people don't print magazines anymore, and this is a great idea, and I love it, and I am excited about it, and I hope it's something that we do on a regular basis, but. We are not magazine printers. No, we and so, are not. So it's, it's, taking, it's taking some time. We're also in the business of making things look good. We're not perfectionists, I wouldn't say, at least not as it relates to this stuff. But uh, we're not going to produce something that's crap. So we're going to make it high quality. We're going to make it look good. And it's just taking some time to figure out how to do that. Yeah. I, I'm going to say May. 
May. I think May is probably too, because we are going to find, I mean, into part of our, you know, covering our printing costs with um, the sponsorships and things is hiring a graphic designer to do the layout and get us a good layout. So it doesn't look like it was made in PowerPoint, like for an eighth grade school project, right? Like it's, that's not what we're going for here. This is going to be professional in the best damn BYU magazine period. Yes. And we also um, don't want it to look like a Phil Still magazine where we're just packing in like size six font as many words into it. And like, no, this is meant for entertainment, not necessarily for information. So right. Right. And well, entertaining information, I guess we should say. And speaking of entertainment, basketball tournaments are usually entertaining. And more. Well, once upon a time they were, but there haven't been any lately. And <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, you know, talking so talking to some sources um close to our show, um, it sounds like the WCC is going to shift is looking at shifting schedules around. Um, for possibly next weekend to try to get better wins. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing because it's the games on the table. Like, unless you're playing Gonzaga, it doesn't really help you much, right? We're already in position to go to the tourney. It's, you know, the playing Pacific for another game or whoever it is, that doesn't really do us much, right? Like, it's it's not a good enough win to improve your resume, but it's a tricky thing to where if you lose to them, it can take you... tank us and put us firmly in the bubble and especially if they do end up deciding to cut the field shorter whatever it's like it's nearly not a good thing but there is talk of gonzaga skipping the conference tournament and if they do that then i think byu should definitely not do the tournament as well they should skip that and then personally and then i don't know even at that point does the wcc just award gonzaga the auto bid and cancel their tournament or i, I think they should or does, um, or do we see uh, a situation where there's maybe there's three WCC teams and they that's how they do it? Say no, we're not awarding it. We think Gonzaga's in, BYU is in. We're still going to have the tournament, so our tournament champion can get the auto bid, and then the conference gets more money. Uh, they got to be really confident that BYU is in. If they're if they're gonna do that, and I am, I am very confident that BYU is in, but there's not anybody else in the WCC who would be in this year. Like St. Mary's is not good, they're right. eleven and, and six, and so that's why I would have to be taking that auto bid. And- yeah, and so if they th- if the WCC is worried at all about BYU being even a fringe bubble team, if they're even bubble adjacent, then that's a terrible idea because. Right a St. Mary's could jump in and then it's like, eh, well, uh, BYU, you're already hard to work around with the Sunday play and your conference did something funny and you're on the bubble. You're out. We're not right. doing that. So they've got to be really confident, but for perspective, I mean, in the Ken Palm rankings, St. Mary's is 76. Like they're ranked below Michigan state. Who's 10 and nine. They're ranked below Utah who is nine and eight. They're not good this year. They're ranked below seven and 13 Kentucky. Kentucky should never be seven and 13 ever. They get everybody. So anyway, I just, it's a risky thing. Now I do agree. I, there's nothing but risk with the WCC tournament this year. There is uh, the risk of injury. Yes, always, but the risk of COVID spread and then not being able to make a round one tournament game. I mean, all that stuff is there. 
and it makes a bigger difference this year than I think it normally does. If I am the if I'm BYU and Gonzaga, I'm sitting out the tournament, and if BYU and Gonzaga go to the WCC and say we're out, cancel the tournament, that tournament will be canceled. Yeah, the viewership will not be there. Well, I don't even know if they'll let fans there. Without Gonzaga, there's basically no fans because, well, I mean, between BYU and Gonzaga, that it accounts for 95% of the fan oh, attendance. Yeah. yeah. So if, it, yeah, I don't know what will happen, especially um, with, you know, attendance. And if it even, you know, at that point, you're talking about putting all of the other schools putting up a, putting up in the resort for a week and, you know, at the New Orleans and, or not the New Orleans at the Orleans Arena, and you know, putting up players there and all the expenses with it to really get nothing. So, uh, and how many how many other bottom? I mean, would would Pacific even go to the tournament right. themselves? Would they opt out? Right. So. And so, I wonder if even yeah, even if it gets played, I wouldn't be surprised if you see you know some of the low teams be like, look, we're not going to spend the money because we know we're not going to win, right? And so. We'll see what happens with that. Um, it's been a good episode, Jeff. This has been a quick episode. It feels like, I mean, actually, I don't even know how long we've been recording because we jumped right into it this week instead of our usual like 45 minutes of planning before we even start recording. Mm-hmm. But it's been a good week and it's been a quick episode. Like I said, uh, hopefully we can get back with a little longer. Uh, but you and I both have other jobs actually to get back to because PPP is controlling our lives. Listen, and, and if you want more content, just pay us what our regular jobs are paying us, people. If you want to put us on scholarship out of your own personal pocketbook, yeah, I'll quit. Brian I'll Smith, I know you listen to this. Like, <laughs> you can get us. I don't want to Brian, work with Qualtrics necessarily, but I'll Brian, you. if you're listening and you don't get us on the payroll somehow, I don't. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, let me go work for the Jazz. You control all of this now, right? I'll do it's, it. I will leave. I will replace. Yeah, I'll replay. I'll do whatever. Ryan, please be a listener. One, just tweet out a link, maybe two, and hire us. Three, that's not a big ask. Three is optional, but it's really one and two is what we need because those are so easy. It's a very low bar for you to clear those. So you don't even have to listen to us every week. Actually, one is the link. And then if you choose to personally listen, that's fine. We don't really care about you because the link will get us more. So it's, you know, just send the link first. If you decide to listen, great. And then you, your people can talk to us because we are our own people. And then we can, you know, figure out a plan moving forward there financially. We are our own people. We don't have people. We do have a social media manager, but go ahead. Just talk to us because, yeah, just talk to us. And, <laughs> and with that, Jeff, let's give them hell this week. Give them hell. <laughs>